our uh, second scripture reading today. In the bulletin, it says Titus uh, 1 or Titus 3, verses 4 through 8, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. So, Titus 3, verses 1 through 8, um, just to give you the fuller context of what's going on here. You can find it on page 1859 of your Pew Bibles, 1859. Titus 3, verses 1 through 8. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Thus ends our reading of God's sufficient word. May all who hear it be filled with the kindness and love of God. A legend that I often heard when I lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand, was of a man named Lung Pyeong, or Uncle Pyeong. Supposedly, he was, he was a man who had rescued the, the Lana kingdom from their Burmese invaders. Whether this story is true or not is up for debate, but here's how the tale goes. A long time ago, the Burmese king led his troops to Chiang Mai and surrounded the city. Now, the, this king didn't want violence, so instead of fighting, he, he challenged the ruler of Chiang Mai to bring his best diver to compete with the Burmese. His wager was this. If the, if the Lana diver, the Chiang Mai diver, could stay under the water longer than his, he and his armies would just return home. Lung Pyeong, an old man, volunteered to compete. And the king of Chiang Mai accepted him. Now these two rulers agreed to hold the competition at the Ping River. They had two poles posted into the river that the divers could hold on to. Then, when the two kings were seated, the divers went to their post. The signal was raised, and the contestants went under. Well, so much time had, had passed that the people started to feel uneasy. Finally, one of the divers came up for breath. He was the Burmese representative. Needless to say, the people of Chiang Mai were relieved. So they waited for their hero to come up to celebrate the victory with him. Well, time passed. So much so that the king of Chiang Mai grew very anxious. 
Finally, he sent some of his men to dive down and tell the old man to come up. What these men found when they reached the bottom was Lung Piang tied to his post, drowned in the river. He had sacrificed himself for his people. Last week, I preached through Titus 3, verses 1 through 3. And there we learned that Paul had instructed the believers on Crete to submit themselves to the rulers and authorities of this world. They were to be peaceable, considerate, and to show true humility. And the, and the first theological reason that Paul had given them to have such a demeanor was that they too used to be just like them, foolish and disobedient and enslaved by the sins of this world. Paul wanted to remind the church on Crete of, of where they had come from. Today we will call, cover uh, Paul's second theological reason for being submissive to the government, as well as God's purpose behind such actions. Look at verse 4 once again. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Now we've seen this word appeared before, back in Titus 2, verse 11, when Paul said that the, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So what we see in our verse for today is that, that not only has grace appeared, but love and kindness as well. And Paul said that he saved us. Love and kindness are personified in the pronoun he. Who is this he? You see, God did not see our plight and, and give us a weapon to fight with. Nor did he send to us an instruction manual on how to save ourselves. No. He sent to us his kindness and his love. And this kindness and love of God is seen in one man. Jesus Christ. He appeared. And he brought salvation with him. What does it mean to be saved? Saved from what? The children gave the right answer this morning. It's, it's salvation from at least what you used to be. Look at uh, verse 3 again in Titus chapter 3. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. The malice and the hate that once controlled you now gives way to the kindness and love of God. You have been freed from your slavery and are now captive by grace. So when you, when you ask, save from what? You are saved from your sins. And this salvation is not your own doing. Look at the next part of verse 5. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Last month we took a glimpse at the story of Jonah 
Jonah was a man who was running from God. And God had cast him into the deep, demonstrating his judgment towards Jonah's sin. And yet, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared to Jonah. God saved him. Not because he was righteous, but because God took mercy upon him. Jonah had prayed from the, from the belly of the fish. And do you, do you remember how his prayer ended? Look at the last part of Jonah 2, verse 9. Salvation comes from the Lord. The same is true for you. God saved you, not because of the righteous deeds that you have done, but because of his mercy. You see, it doesn't matter how, how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you have accumulated in your life. They can't save you. Look at, look at what Paul says in Philippians 3, verses 4 through 7. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I doubt any of you here today could say you had a more righteous life than Paul. And yet, what does Paul say? But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Brothers, sisters, you need a righteousness that is greater than your own. You need a new heart. Look at the rest of verse 5. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The words rebirth and renewal are practically synonyms. The, the, the Greek word palingenesis literally means again birth. It is, it is a coming back to life from the dead. And the Greek word anakinoseos means to make new again. It has a, the connotation of being recreated. What Paul is communicating here is that, that a Christian is saved when the, when the Holy Spirit washes a person clean, giving him or her new life. This is a particular work of the Holy Spirit bringing about an immediate transformation on the person. It's as if there was a, a light switch inside of you, and God decided to finally just turn it on. It's a, it's a changing of the affections of your heart and mind, away from the things of this world and towards God. In essence, the Holy Spirit repents a person and produces faith within them. But faith to what end? Look at, at verse 7. 
So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. When God's kindness and love appears, you are renewed by the Holy Spirit, so that you might be justified. God no no longer sees you as, as the sinner that you are, but he sees you as just and righteous. Again, it is not a, a righteousness that comes from yourself, but it is, a righteous, it is the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to you. You see, it's, it's, it's as if you were in massive debt to God. Trillions of dollars. And God, he holds all the money. And yet, in his mercy, he forgives your debt and by placing the riches of Christ upon you and placing your debt upon Christ. Just as Lung Pyeong drowned in that water to rescue his people, Christ went to the cross willingly to die for your sins. The the people of Chiang Mai, they, they had nothing to do with their salvation. It was all the work of Lung Pyeong. Likewise, you have nothing to do with your salvation. It is all the work of Christ. Imputed righteousness. But it, but it is more than just justification. For God makes you his heir. And your inheritance? <clears throat> Eternal life. Paul once again points back to the the premise of his letter in in Titus 1. For the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. You see, when, when God saves a person, he doesn't let go. He will carry you through all the way to the end. That's why you are an heir. And an, an inheritance isn't something that you earn, but it's, it's stored away for you and then given freely to you at the end. And this inheritance is your hope, the hope of eternal life and the presence of your God in his kingdom. Let's look at our, our final verse from Titus. Verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. A trustworthy saying. All that Paul stated in verses 4 through 7, that the the kindness and love appeared in Jesus. That he saved you, not because of your own righteousness, but because of his mercy. And how did he save you? By giving you new life by the Holy Spirit. Being justified in Christ, you can have confidence that your ultimate destiny is to spend eternity with God. Now that is a trustworthy saying. 
And it is the second theological reason that you should submit to your worldly authorities. Not only were you once like them, cursed and enslaved, but God showed you his kindness and his love. And now you should show that same kindness and that same love to a lost generation. You must devote yourself to doing what is good. To what end? Because these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Listen, God doesn't need your good works. The, the excellent things that you do are not for him. They are for your neighbor. The, the reason Paul says that they are profitable to everyone is because they truly are. They are a benefit both to the church and the lost. When you are peaceable, you promote unity within the body of Christ. When you are considerate, you extend the grace of God to other believers. When you show true humility, you allow your brothers and sisters in Christ to demonstrate their good deeds towards you. And when you are peaceable to the world, you help to stifle the malice that is in their hearts. When you are considerate towards the plight of the lost, you aid them in seeing that they are truly enslaved. And when you show true humility towards foolish men, you pour water on the hate that it burns inside their hearts. This is the call of all Christians. Let's look at those verses in Ephesians once more. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Dear friends, your salvation is not just for you. No, it is for a lost generation. God has saved you so that you might make, might make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. God renewed you by his Holy Spirit so that your good deeds can profit them. And he justified you so that they might be saved. And the kindness and the love of God appeared to you so that you can demonstrate that same kindness and that same love to a world that hates God. This is your call. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your love. Without them, we would be utterly lost. We would be still enslaved to our sins. Yet your kindness and your love appeared when your son became a man. We are grateful for the sacrifice he made on the cross. Renew us by your Holy Spirit. Wash us with the, with the truth of your gospel so, so that we may devote ourselves to doing what is good. 
so that a, a lost world would come to know and fear you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.